Well, we've been on a journey uh, talking about uh, the real life. And we've been thinking about, um, about the redeemed life, which is our vision, about the empowered life, about the active life, and about the listening life. And these, uh, this is what we call our vision, the real life vision. We're a redeemed. We believe in the power of redemption as a church. We believe in uh, the power of the Holy Spirit being empowered in every area of our life and knowing that power at work within our lives. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, that we are called to be active, active in prayer, active in Bible study, active in ministry. We are called to be active in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And we're called to be active in supporting each other and correcting each other and encouraging each other along. And we are asked by the Lord to engage in these areas. And I want to talk on this Thanksgiving uh, weekend about, about listening life, which is a big part of who we are, listening to the voice of God and understanding that God wants to speak to us and we have to engage with the Lord on our journey. But where does this start? Well, it starts really with what our priorities are. And what we want to discover is what, what, what do we want in our relationship with God? You may be new to the church. You may be uh, visiting for the first time. And you may not really know that Christianity is a living relationship that happens between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet it affects, when you become a Christian, it affects every part of your life. It affects the way we think and the way that we feel. I'd like to start off with John chapter 1 and verse 38. There's a story there about Jesus arriving, of course, and John the Baptist starts to declare, um, Look, here is the Lamb of God. Look, you can see him. Here is the Lamb of God. And so John's disciples start to migrate towards Jesus. And one of them starts to follow him. And Jesus swings around and in the most pointed way that only Jesus can do. Ask a very straight question. He looks at him and he turns around. He spins around and Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? That is a profound question. It's at the very center of who we are and what we are as human beings. It's what do you want from your life? What do you want? It's literally, this word want in the Greek is that idea of what do you desire? What are you searching for? What are you looking for? How are you approaching your life? What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? In other words, they're saying, actually, we want you, Jesus. We want to stay with you. We want you to be the center of our lives. We want to travel with you. And there's those lovely scenes in John where, where uh, Peter is converted and where we have Philip and, and a man that the Messiah is amongst us and these, these lovely verses. But, but I think if every one of us can answer this question, what do we want? It is a piercing question. It's a question in my mind that cuts me to the very heart. Phil Collins, what do you want in, 
in your life? What are you looking for? What is driving you? What are you listening for? What is the most important voice within your life? See, it gets to the real core of who we are. It's to do with our longings. What are you longing for? What are your priorities? And you look at your heart and you look at your life. What are you creating within your inner being? What are you building within your life? What line are you following? What vision do you have for your life and the kind of life you want to build? No wonder Jesus said, you have to hunger and thirst after me. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. The very phrases, hunger and thirst, talks about this idea that it's, it's everything that we want deep down within us. There's this language that Jesus uses that Christianity is not just a process of learning knowledge. And the danger is, is that our Christianity can simply come down to gathering ideas and gathering knowledge when it's far more than that. Christianity is far more than suddenly I've become a Christian and I've joined the University of the Jesus School. It's more than that. Although sometimes we approach it like that, that Christianity is about, about knowledge and about sitting. And Jesus is the chief lecturer. He is the main prof. Oh yes, he has awesome PowerPoints. And we sit there and he knows absolutely everything because he created it. And, and we sit there and we take in knowledge and we take in knowledge. It's a lot more than that because what the teaching Hebrews tells us was that he cuts between the very bone and the marrow. He comes close to us. I love that verse in Hebrews where it talks, Hebrews chapter 4, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Wow. This isn't just knowledge. This is interaction at the very deepest level of us as human beings. In fact, it sounds a little painful to me. (laughs) This phrase makes me feel a little squeamish, I think. He, He divides the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. Oh, that's deep, isn't it? I've never had an operation where I've had to had my bone operated to the very marrow, but it doesn't sound very nice, does it? No. And yet, there's a, there's a, it feels like to the very form of who we are, to the very nature of, of how we live, to the very to the bone and to the marrow. This is how close God wants to come and come close to us. He wants his word to impact us. He wants us to be transformed. He wants to speak to us to the very sharpening and the soul and the spirit, our character, our emotion. And when we think about the listening life, it's about an intimate relationship by which God comes so close to us. Is it possible that you can have a relationship with God that's not just about knowledge about God, but it's about experiencing and knowing God to the very 
frame of who you are. Do you even want that? Do I? Am I willing to surrender everything to him in such a way that I want to come that close to him? And yet, there is a danger that it becomes about knowledge. And let me say that I'm not against information. I'm not against knowledge. You flick through Christian magazines and you see adverts like how to memorize a hundred scriptures, a course on memorization of how to gain information. No, I'm not against information. I'm not against memorization. Absolutely not. But the danger is, is that we think our discipleship becomes simply a process of collecting knowledge, connecting information, becoming thinking. Not against thinking. But Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. He's a French philosopher, Descartes. I don't know if you've heard of him. You've heard of the saying, I'm sure. I think, therefore, I am. At this point, I'd like to do a French accent. But it sounds so more dramatic. But (laughs) it will just sound Irish. Um, No, don't. I think, therefore, I am. Is that the truth? That I think, therefore I am. Am I just a thinking thing? Is it just about thinkism because of the enlightenment, because of science, because of our brains? Am I just a brain that's trucked around in this body? Am I a brain on a stick? Is it all just about the knowledge that I know? Am I transformed by knowledge and by information? Well, to some degree, of course, I love knowledge. I love information. But being a follower of Jesus goes beyond just knowing knowledge. Now, I know what you're saying is, but you know, it's good to think. You preach it, Pastor Phil. Uh, We have verses in Corinthians that take every thought captive. We have verses in Romans that talks about renewing mind. We have verses in... um, In the Psalms that says, meditate upon the the word of the Lord. Yes, we we want to think. We want to take. We want to take that. But there's a danger that we get an idea. That we gather information and information brings transformation. Now, is that true? Right? Right? How many sermons have you listened to that have not transformed your life? How many books have you read that have, you go, wow, that's amazing. And by Tuesday, you've forgotten those books. How many seminars have you attended and it hasn't gone down between the bone and the marrow? How much information have you taken in? In one week, we read more information in, let's say, the New York Times than than ancient people ever read in a lifetime. We have information coming at us from every direction. And no matter how much information we drink, is that really going to transform our lives? No, I will tell you what will ultimately transform our lives. It is the voice of God and the whisper of the Savior and the presence of Christ and his Holy Spirit that enters our lives and transforms us. 
Christianity, although I love knowledge, I love intellect, I love ideas, thinkism as it's called, thinkism is not the answer for our lives. Thinking is good, but the idea that everything can be sold just through knowledge is wrong because you are more. Even in that verse, it said soul and spirit. When God comes to you, he wants to come to your very soul and your very spirit. Okay, Pastor Phil, you're, what, well, so yes, you've done that. So what's your point? <laughs> My point is this. I think, therefore, I am, Descartes. Well, there must be more than that then. Look at Philippians. And in Philippians, it says, And this is my prayer, that you love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Beautiful. Look at verse 9. You say, are you right? Because here is the word knowledge. So knowledge is pretty important. It is knowledge, depth, insight, Information, knowledge that makes the difference. Well, let's read the whole prayer. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound. You see, often we think that we gain the knowledge in order to experience the love. But the truth is, we gain the love so that we can have true knowledge. Let me say that again. We gain the love so that we can have true knowledge. In other words, what Paul is praying is that when we become creatures that love, then through love comes true knowledge, insight, discernment within your life. So the challenge is, I think, therefore I am. Hang about, let me think about this. Let me, let me take a moment and, and say, well, Is it possible that I love, therefore I am? And love is the way to gain real knowledge. And love is the way to gain real insight. And love within our lives. Because when you look at your listening life, and you look at who you are as a human being, it's what we love that makes us who we are, isn't it? It's what we love that makes the difference. It's what we love within our lives. And we have to attend to our loves. We've all met people that love the bottle more than they love anything else. And it's destroying and it's horrible and it's sad. And we've all met people that love possessions more than even family members. And we've all met people that love their egos and their opinions more than anything else. You see, what we love tells us what we're following and who we are. We have to attend to our loves. So what is your first love? Our first love, of course, should be the Lord Jesus Christ. Our first love is God. Our first love is knowing his presence in our life. 
Our first love of thankfulness is knowing how much he loves us. And I think in a listening life, am I willing to go and look at myself and say, what motivates me? What loves motivate me in my life? And it is he, Jesus, part of my, my loves? That he's part of that journey? Or do I love something else completely? What do you love first? What is going on within your life? What is driving you? Is it that love of God? Well, you're saying this is Thanksgiving, Phil. You're being very heavy. But that, the very heart of Thanksgiving is knowing what you're most deeply thankful for. What are you most deeply thankful for? Let me take a moment and let's go back for a moment to ancient theology. As one theologian put it, the church's future is probably rediscovering the church's past. Augustine, bishop of North Africa, 500 AD, was a brilliant thinker. And in his thinking, he observed society in North Africa. And there he wrote uh, a lot of uh, first great complex theology. And he acknowledged that as he looked in the ancient world and as he looked around, he kind of described what he saw about human beings. And the first thing he described about uh, human beings is that we need to find ourselves in a relationship with the one who made us. He made this statement about human beings, you see, are always looking for something, which we'll get on to in a moment, but we are trying to find ourselves. There's a lot of finding ourselves in modern culture today, isn't there? There's a lot of finding ourselves on the self-help books that are, that are in our stores, in chapters, and, and Barnes and & Noble, and, and producing these, these books that sell like crazy, you know, about as if, as if these laws will completely transform your life. But of course... It's about fight. There's books written about people going on great treks and journeys um, into the wild and looking for the answer and finding themselves and saying, you know, what is the answer? There's a, there's a great book, I remember reading it, called that, Into the Wild, about a young man that gave away his inheritance, left his mom and dad, wandered around America, it was made into a film, ended up in Alaska living in a bus, and there wrote and read to discover, to find himself. Finally, he wrote in his diary, that the meaning of true life was not solitary journey, but it was community. And community and love was the meaning of life. The problem was when he discovered that, the river had flooded, and he'd eaten bad berries, and he died. Um, that's, it's, a sad, it's a great story. Um, into the Wild. It's a great soundtrack as well. But... It's a kind of like commentary. We're trying to find ourselves. 
Human beings, Augustine noticed that we're trying to find ourselves. And we can see how people are trying to find themselves. They're trying to discover it for themselves. They're trying to find themselves all the time. You can only find yourself when you find the creator who gave us life. That's when you find yourself. It's amazing. I tried to find myself in so many things before I became a Christian, as you no doubt did, as you may be doing now. But you truly find yourself, as the ancient theologian put it, we find ourselves once we've discovered who truly made us. And in this world of hyper-spirituality, In this world of finding ourselves, there's a beautiful message that God the creator, when you find him, you find yourself. Because he knows everything about you. Wow. I love it. The second thing the great theologian put was, he said to be human is to be directed towards something. Aren't human beings amazing? (laughs) We're always being directed towards something, aren't we? We're always being pulled. If human beings, we're always leaning slightly forward. We're always going in a direction. We're always, that's why we landed on the moon. That's why we discovered penicillin. That's why we, we are pushing knowledge forward. That's why we do the things we do. We build houses. We build careers. We are always, we are goal-orientated creatures. And God has made us this way. The Greek word for this is telos. And telos means vision. Not telos in the sense of, means like the cable company who never turn up for anything. But, oh, you've had that experience as well, have you? <laughs> Promise the world to never turn up. It's, this, this sermon is not part, sponsored by TELUS. <laughs> I'll let the solicitors look at that one. Uh, but but tell, the Greek word TELUS is vision. God has made us as human beings to discover who we are and then he wants us to live in a vision. Now you've either got a vision in one direction or another direction. God has created you with telos, with a vision, with direction. We are goal driven. Human beings are always moving. They are kind of existential sharks. They are always looking. They're always moving. They never stand still in our minds, in our lives. We're always dreaming of something new, something different. We're always leaning in some direction. Even before life coaches were ever thought of, setting goals, the very heart of human beings is that we have a vision. We're going somewhere to something in life. You and I have to decide what that vision, that somewhere, that something is for our lives. The beautiful thing is, human beings are amazing. I was, last night I read a, um, a biography of the creator of the Tesla car. And, um, and, and then SpaceX, um, his name slips my mind for a moment, but I, I skim read this, this book about, you know, a, a, a guy who was just driven by the idea that that he wants to create 
and create and create. I guess Steve Jobs was the same. He wanted to play the orchestra. He was always leaning forward because the nature that God has created us is that we're always heading towards something. And when we haven't got a creator, uh, that something becomes idol worship. But the amazing thing is, That when you enter into a listening life, God tells you who you are, how he's created you, and tells you which way you should lean in your life and will guide you to where you should go and what you should do. You're always leaning somewhere, but the greatest way to lean is towards Jesus. The goals he gives us, the goals that he offers us, are the most divine and perfect things because he asks us, will you follow me? And I'll give you tasks. Will you follow me? Will you lean into me, not lean out? It's that deep, it's what we have our our deepest desire. So maybe I've said, I think, therefore I am. And I've said, maybe it's, I love, therefore I am. Or maybe it's, I desire, therefore I am. Isn't it true that we are motivated by the deepest desires of our, of our gut, of who we are? The deepest desires. Now, those theologians know that in the ancient world, the heart When they talked about the heart, they actually spoke about the stomach. And recent research, MIT, I read a report recently, talked about that now the researchers at MIT are calling the stomach the second brain because it's important what goes on in our gut as important connects to our brain and that we're not just information machines, minds on a stick, but we are whole humans and what happens here affects here and here. That that, that we are, are driven by, by a deep yearning. When Jesus saw somebody that was sick, it said he was moved. In the Greek it was, he was moved deep within towards them. That gut, that desire. And I want to, I want to encourage you that the greatest desire you can have at a gut level is to know the presence of God and his whisper in your life. Well, a listening life is about desiring God's voice at the deepest level of who we are. I think, therefore I am. We all think. I love, therefore I am. We all live. And the angels have arrived. <laughs> I'm not looking that way. I don't embarrass anybody. I just have them. <laughs> Don't worry, it happened to me last week. Siri came on, giving me a message from the Lord. And, <laughs> and, and the guest speaker said, did your phone come on when I was preaching? I said, yes, I, I, I knocked it by accident. <laughs> Embarrassing. Um, but we're a church of forgiveness and grace. And, and, and at our very... A very deep level. It's what Paul calls in the Greek, smachma. I love that word. That's the Greek word for the inner moving of who we are. I know it sounds like Klingon. Uh, but 
But it's that deep longing within a human being of what we want. Now, we know so many people that long after so much that seems empty, that seems horrible, that seems seems ridiculous. We make idols of so much. And yet, as a Christian, my longing is to grow. My deepest longing is to look towards Christ and grow. I want to go that direction. The third thing the theologian said in ancient was we are made to love the one who made, the one who made and loves us. We love because he first loves us. Wow. So when we discover love, when we discover God's love, God's love liberates us, fills us. God's love is with us. God's love is immense. God's love was expressed as Christ died upon the cross for a world and showed that God wanted to engage with every one of us. I am loved because he first loved me. You are loved. God loves you. God is a God of love. The very nature of God is of, that's why it's important for me to sort my thinking out. That's why it's important for me to sort my loves out because of who I am. And that's why it's important that I get my deepest desires right because my deepest desire is to lean towards his will, his purposes, his plan. I want to lean towards, towards him. We're all leaning towards something. The author of The Little Prince said, and this is quoted so many times, in fact I heard it quoted yesterday again, uh, said, we're all looking towards castles in the clouds. Human beings are always looking for castles in the clouds, aren't we? I'm not looking for castles in the clouds. I am looking for the kingdom to come. And as a human being, I am leaning towards something. And I'll tell you what I'm leaning towards. His kingdom coming on this earth. His righteousness being revealed. His goodness being shown to humanity. That Jesus is the supernova event of all creation. I'm leaning towards something, yes. So, to bring these thoughts together... I guess what captures the, the idea of this is that human beings, every one of us, you and I, are really all on a quest. Every human being is on a quest. They may not know it. They're on a quest. For some people, it's as simple as the quest is to feed their family that day. The quest is to gain financial security. Human beings are quest creatures. We are leaning towards something. We're on a great quest. That's why we love stories like the Lord of the Rings and Narnia and so many other great quest stories. That's why people love the, all these Marvel characters that are on a quest to save the world and from destruction and these kind of masked People like the Flash, and you can tell I've got a 10-year-old boy, can't you? We watch these things. I love it. But we're on a quest. 
So I guess a listening life is to listen to the shepherd's voice and where he's leading you and what your true quest is in life. What you truly worship. Where you're going. Augustine was so brilliant that he even wrote about gravity before Newton had explained gravity to us. He noticed that flames flickered and went up, and he noticed that things that were dropped went down. That when you drop something in water, it sank to the bottom, but there were other things that rose up. And he applied this thinking to our spiritual lives in his Ancient theology. He applied it in such a beautiful way. Now we know that this works. And what his point was, our weight is always traveling somewhere. We're either leaning this way or the weight is carrying us that way. I've got a swimming pool. I call it a swimming pool. It's an above ground swimming pool that we've had for five years that we bought from Sears for $400 on sale. It's fabulous. It's done the job. I erected it. It's a little bent, I'll be honest. Over the years, the water's... Well, it's because it wasn't quite flat when I put it up. Uh, but I'm a preacher, not a builder. And, but it, it's done the job. The kids have loved it. It's about this deep. It's, it's, it fills this sort of stage area. They've got the trampoline next to it. They jump off the shed onto the trampoline and into the water. It's great for breaking bones. It's amazing. And in the summer, you know how kids can be a little demanding? I I devise ways to keep them busy. This is great. I said to my kids, I said, you see that beach ball? Nice beach ball. I said, hold the beach ball underneath the water. And for every second you hold it, I'll give you a cent. Really? So they get in the water and they hold the beach ball under and my little 10-year-old is <laughs> two cents. I'm cheap. And then goes under the water. <laughs> Body's flying. He's working. It's great. I absolutely love it. And, and hours of entertainment, because I'm saying, well, you could get, go for a toonie. Try it for, go for $10. Yes, Dad. Yes. Oh. <laughs> What's he battling with? The weight or the air of the ball with the water. He's battling against certain physics, of course, and he can't battle against it. The ball just wants to go in one direction, and that's up. Then another game we play... For hours of entertainment, as I'm sat on the deck watching, is we've got one of these weird balls that you purchased at some point because it was supposed to transform your, your life in exercise. Do you remember those balls? You've bought them, haven't you? you sit at your desk bouncing on them because it will do your back. But you've only used it twice. Do press-ups and use it. It will get your call. Within six weeks, you will have a, an eight-pack. Amazing. 
They're as about useless as a foot spa. There are 30 million foot spas never used in America at this moment. But I get them. I say, now, this is what I want you to do. Again, I'll, I'll, there'll be financial rewards for this. Put the ball in the water. It's about this big. And stand on it. <laughs> Hours of fun. Because gravity does the rest. Into the water, into the water. There's $10 on this. If you can stand on there for 10 seconds, there's $10. Boom! It's great. Oh, the kids get involved. Even the teenagers get involved. Dad, can you do it? No. Um, (laughs) Because the force of gravity, you're always going somewhere. This is what Augustine tried to help the early church understand. The weight of who you are is always going somewhere. You're either heading towards God and his kingdom, and that's where you want to go, or you are heading away. And in a beautiful narrative he wrote about that, I pray that we would be people who are on fire for God and the flames of our lives are reaching up to heaven. Isn't that the kind of people we want to be? We want to be people that are on fire, that are crackling, that are burning, and that our weight isn't leaning away from the Lord, but our weight is going towards him. I think, I love, I desire. Bring those three things in alignment with the Lord, and you will discover the most wonderful, beautiful relationship. Let the Lord minister to your deepest desires and bring his truth. Let the Lord show you what true agape love is about and you'll gain real knowledge and enjoy the ability to think and to ponder these beautiful things. And always let your weight go in one direction towards the creator who made you. Listen to his voice. Come close to him. So I finished with the question I started with. What do you want? Answer that question and you've answered the question of which direction your weight is taking you in your journey. What do you truly want? I want Jesus. He has given me everything. I want Jesus. Precious Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ on this Thanksgiving Sunday. I pray that each one of us, myself included, the gravity and the weight of my life would lean towards you. I Give me the courage, Lord, to attend to my loves. And where those loves are not right or of you, give me the courage to step away from those things and to love the things that you love. And that I may hate the things that you hate. 
I thank you that you found me and you first loved me. And I pray that every one of us at a very gut level, in our second brain, if you like, Lord, that we will desire your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, Lord, to desire you. And let that reflect in the way we treat our special relationships, our children, our workplace. Let it affect the way that we now think because our deepest desire is to please you. And let us keep reminding ourselves how great you truly are. How amazing you are. And may our goals in life be in line with your voice, your heart, and your ways. What do we want? Lord, we recommit ourselves on this Thanksgiving that we want you and you alone, Lord Jesus. Amen. Please stand.